Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. I was a Boy Scout from early on and we winter camped and I, and I skied since I was seven years old. And so I was on the National Ski Patrol and I was, I, I was a Boy Scout until I was 18. So I did the Explorer Scouts because I loved backpacking and camping. And so a lot of time in the wilderness in New England, which is where I'm from. And that particular year, I spent a lot of time in the wilderness out west in the Rockies and then Montana, Wyoming. And so I kind of I'm oriented outdoors, but I never I never ice climbed. I had rock climbed. We have climbing here in the east. I did some climbing in the west, but I, I didn't really what what the question part of the question you're asking, you probably don't realize is why didn't I go back to Boston? to see my family during spring break because I was running away really basically I was not going home for a very good reason and I needed an adventure to justify my staying out west and so I went to the outdoor club and I found this guy and he wanted to do an ice climb but I'd never done ice climbing but he had just gotten certified as a lead climber and and he had a lot of wilderness experience in the winter and so we decided that we would go backpacking on skis, living in snow caves for eight days and, and finish up with a ice climb. And so that's what we did. So we went into Alberta. Uh, we we're kind of on the British Columbia, pardon me, the British Columbia, Alberta border. We went into British Columbia to go on our snow caving. Well, I make a mistake before I even begin my climb. And my mistake that I, before I began the climb was that I had only one ice ax and you have to have two. And so instead of two ice axes, I had a hammer and a hammer is significantly shorter and you can't rest on it. An ice axe, you can plant in the ice and there's a strap that you can you put around your wrist and run a bead down and you can let go. And there's the, the physics of it so that you can hang on this thing. But you can't do that with a hammer because the hammer doesn't have the, the length of the handle and the strap is in the wrong place. So to begin with, by agreement also, and I, I didn't have all the gear, I borrowed and rented gear. I begged, I begged around, even my sleeping bag that I was using that week, I didn't have a deep, deep, deep winter bag. I had to borrow that too. So what this meant was, is that I had to rest a lot more than every single other climber on the climb, because we were one team of several. And that meant that by the time we reached even halfway up, we already knew we were in serious trouble because I just couldn't go fast. I had to rest. Um, and so had I had all the proper equipments, it would have been a, a snap. Because ice climbing, believe it or not, okay, it's it's a safer sport statistically, or so it was last time I looked, than football. People, fewer people percentage-wise get hurt because you have to be careful ice climbing. You have to like super zone in right. on exactly what you're doing and know and know what you're and trust your partner. You right. don't trust your partner, it's 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 you know, anxiety producing at least and deadly at worst. Mm -hmm. Um so by the time we reached the top of our climb, all the other teams had descended five, 600 feet and left. 
They're on the way out. The last team was on the way out when we finally sat down at the top of our climb at sunset. So we're hours and hours behind. One of the things I learned about my partner during the, the week before, the reason why I trusted him is because we had, some, we had some serious trouble when we were out snow caving, which I don't talk a whole lot about because we got over it. But what I learned from that experience was to trust him and that he had a completely level head and he wouldn't freak. And I, I'm, I didn't freak. I, I, I maintained my, because I'd been trained in the wilderness, you have to maintain your, your, your calm because if you don't, you can die. It's, you know, it happens. It still happens. It makes the news, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people make mistakes and they die. And so that's what we were in that circumstance. And we're sitting up on top of this ledge with our legs dangling over and the sun goes down and the temperature drops like that, like, like a curtain falls, boom. And it's 30 degrees colder than it was. And I, so temperature wise in the climb, I was wearing a a polypropylene undershirt and long sleeve and a like a net thing underneath that and a sweater and no, a turtleneck and a sweater and a shell. And I was I was I was just right all day. But I was also sweating and ice was falling down my neck. So I was wet underneath my shell. And um, by the time we got to the top and the temperature dropped, so immediately all this cold, we're, we don't have any extra thermal. And so we got immediate shivers not like oh i'm shivering and i'm cold more like violent uh like every muscle in my body was its in, was an independent piston all firing at its own rate just like like you see in a cartoon my jaw was clattering my 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 cheeks were every every part of me was just this a shudder and tim was in the same situation we know we knew we really knew an hour before what kind of deep deep trouble we were in like it became the, the slower we climbed, the more the intense, the understanding of what was really going to happen to us became real. Did you, did you, at any point, did you just like, you know, guys, we got to go back. We gotta you can't, do, you can't head back. You can't go down the way you came up. Oh, so backpacking, you're hiking and you're climbing a mountain. You're, you're like, oh, it's getting cold here and it's raining and I'm miserable. I'm going to go down the trail. I came up There's no the going, the trail only goes in one direction. You can't repel down the way you came up. That makes sense. Um, so the, it's kind of a built-in. It's it's part of the, it's part of the magic of climbing, because it it, yeah. it and the magic is that it creates hyper focus. So it's really good for people who um, need to either train into hyper focus or good at it, because you've got to be right where you are. And it forces, and it also forces you to go through obstacles that you normally in real life would bail out of, but you oh, have yeah. no choice. If, if you don't, then you die. And that is, that is the magic. That is also magic because you're forced to confront obstacles and challenges and psychological challenges within yourself and break through a lot of those barriers that you would in a normal scenario, just walk away from. Which is why climbers are sort of a club to themselves because they all experience, all climbers experience that. Uh, there are other places where that happens, but it, this is one of the places where that happens. So we're sitting in the top of the ledge and the temperature goes down and we're, we're, hyper, we're beginning hypothermic. And the reason why I talked about being in the ski patrol is because I was working at Bridger Bowl in Bozeman as a, as a volunteer. And we got retrained up about hypothermia because in, a, in January that year, there was 50 below on the mountain, oh. 50 below on the mountain i've been in seven below and i was like my bones hurt 
Oh yeah, your, your eyeballs can freeze. Your eyeballs, my eyeballs, all over the nighttime, my eyeballs started to freeze. Okay, this is like deep, deep cold. Cold. And, and it feels like putting your hand in a fireplace. It's, the, the, it's, like, it's like you're on fire. And, and so, but that isn't where I was when I first got to the top. So we're, we haul the rope up. Tim hauls the rope up. The sun's down. We're shivering. He, he, he hauled it up too fast. So we had a series of mistakes. We hauled up the, he hauled up the rope too fast. It became a big knot. I had to take my gloves off in order to sort it. <sighs> and so that began. I have all my digits. But every one of them is damaged. Like every single day, I in the it, I live in the in winterland, and every single day in the winter, I wear gloves. I wear a mask. I was I was deep into maskness before mm -hmm. it, it was vogue, okay, mm -hmm. or chic, because I I have frostbite all over my face. So if I go outside in the wintertime, I got to cover up everything. And so I took my gloves off. I entangled this thing in the dark. Uh, sun goes down. I can feel rope. I'm good at, I'm very tactile. And so I could untangle this thing without really seeing what I was doing. But we had this conversation about survivability. Uh, we knew, and this is like, to, to say this, we knew we were going to die doesn't encapsulate what the rush of emotions and realization was inside of us at 21 years old. Um, because it, we, we discussed snuggling up against the face of the rock. Cause this, this still like 8,000, 9,000 feet above us. We're not even that far up the mountain. Um, we're just up this climb. And um, we realized pretty fast we would not survive that. We, would, we didn't have enough body heat between us to last two hours, let alone the night. So, so the only... So, okay. so, you already, so you are already coming to grips in your own mind that this is the end for you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You oh, have yeah. that, you're having that conversation in your head at this point at 20 yes, and at, with, at 21. Right. And with Tim, I mean, it's not just in my head. This is like, you're both together. You're connected. <laughs> yeah. It's reality. It's like, so, so it, that alone. Okay. So, Facing that one thing alone, a person who faces their mortality when they're young really faces it. Um, even if they don't die, that's still a life-changing sort of thing. It makes you set you out of your peer group because no, like I was that morning, I was invincible. But by the end of the, uh, when the sun set down, <laughs> I was a different person. Mm. How did it change you? Just out of curiosity. Well, um, I, I, I break it into two parts. I break it into the trauma of the night, just the emotional trauma of, of driving myself forward through darkness on ice and trying to survive. So there's this, there's this willpower that I, uh, I was able to tap into that I didn't even know that I had, which I still have. So there's a benefit to this, but there's also the, there was the trauma of the fear. The fear grew all night long. The colder I got, the closer I came to death. Death was like this far from me. It was like this far from me. And every step of the way, it got closer and closer and closer. It was this, uh, well, it was terrifying. So that terror, that trauma, I had trauma from this. And mm -hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually get over it till 2016 when I went back. So, the, mm -hmm. but the real after effects of this night came from dying and, and not only facing my mortality, but I, I went, I, I was 
carried out of myself into a realm of no thingness, of, of, of illuminated darkness and, uh, and infinity. And I wasn't even the thing anymore. I, I, I don't, from the moment that I came back, from the moment that that happened, but once I became a human again, I, I can't ever escape that. The biggest change in my life going forward is knowing who I am and where I'm from. And I'm not from here. Mm. And you walk around saying you're not from here to people. Well, we, you know, it's the, it's <laughs> not good for your, not good for your career. If you not said. good for your career. Not, right. good for, not so much for the career. So, not all right. So, uh, so you're walking on the side of this mountain freezing and what's the moment, what is the moment that you are now gone you've you've left the body what happened at that moment and where did you go so i was uh, we were on our last rappel the rope was stuck i went through the final stages of hypothermia and the very last one the last two and i'll talk about those two because they relate uh sleep you fall asleep but when i would fall asleep it would be like a shut off of a light switch and I would collapse and, and, and hit the rock and wake up. I was strapped into the mountain at this point. I was attached to the mountain. So I wouldn't fall. And so then I would stand up. And, I, and this last time that I stood up, I got tunnel vision, which is the, last, the very last thing that happens. And so tunnel vision collapsed. And as it went black and I was confused, I was just like, what is this thing? And everywhere I look, I see this narrowing of the field of my vision. And then when it closed, I didn't black out. It just, I became, I was somehow more awake. So, and I didn't know what was going on. I, where the mountain should have been, there was an opening of infinite darkness. And instead of feeling pain, I, that's what I was, I'm not in pain anymore. There's no pain. And I am, feel like I am separated from my body. I'm somehow still connected to it, but I'm not really Huh. it wasn't me anymore. And so I am, I am looking out into this infinite darkness and way far, extremely far further than, uh, you know, the size of the universe is 13 billion light years, like that far away, there's a tiny star appears. And this tiny star rushes toward me at faster than the speed of light, covers this distance. And as it rushes toward me, it speaks to me, but it's not in language. It's in direct non-linguistic uh, communication of information and a block. But it wasn't just a block. It was a constant flow. But all the information came in at once. And then it just kept coming. And it, and it spoke to me. And it said inside of me, I'm taking you. I'm taking you. And, but, it's, but it came that I'm taking you came with, with power. I can't describe to you how powerful more powerful than anything that I'd ever imagined before. It's so powerful that it, it, its power filled the entire space I was in and its intelligence. Its intelligence was, um, it, it, it was immense. And all of this was communicated to me and I put up resistance against it. All this willpower I had carved inside myself throughout the night, carved, found inside of me like this genetic thing way down inside my humanness, um, survive, survive, survive. I, I put up my wall to survive and it, it, it just reached into me and took me as if I was nothing, <laughs> as if all, uh, and I, I was then pulled from myself and all of my resistance evaporated 
And I was, all these things happen at once. I, this is all in timelessness and all of it's in metaphor because, because it's full of paradox. Mm -hmm. So I am, I am inside of this entity, but I also can see myself inside of this entity. So I'm out here somewhere, but I have no form out here. I'm just like seeing this. Your, con I, your consciousness, your awareness, if you will. I'm my awareness, if I will, is observing, witnessing what's going on. But I'm also simultaneously inside this thing, inside what is maybe a light body. Uh, it's, 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 it's not an astral body because I, 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 had, I had form, but I was detached. I was not, I was not attached anymore. It was a, it, I've had mystical experiences as a child and there's always an attachment, a root back. There was no root back. And so I'm inside of this entity, the angel, the angel I know, I know this light being, this energy, intelligence, because I'd met it before in my childhood. And so I'm now in comfort and it's speaking to me, comfort and beauty and love and welcome. And I have no agency left. I have no power of, I can't even move, but I don't want to move. I just want to be inside this. And I can see out through this, this orb of energy, that this angel of being, this intelligence into this vast darkness. And I can see how fast we're going. We're and then we reach the end or the beginning where it came from. And, and it either expands into this eternal nature or i pop into this eternal nature but somehow these this eternal nature and this this contained entity of energy is somehow they're similar they communicate this is part of that so i'm now inside this infinite space and in this infinite space i can see in every direction at once and every direction is is infinite darkness and I can see far into the darkness because there's some kind of luminosity to it. So it's a darkness that has light and, and way far away from me in infinity, I can't see the beginning of it. I know that I can't see the beginning of it. I know I see more, I have better sight than I'd ever had as a human. And I, I come to consciousness as I, I come to awakenedness as I view this and realize that this is me that I am this energy, this orb of consciousness, where my seeing is my thinking, is my self-understanding, is who I am and what I am. And I am, and I'd never been Peter. Mm -hmm. I lived in Peter, but that was not me. It was where I lived. And so I am this, and I'm ginormous. I am so much bigger than my human body. And I'm like a big sphere of consciousness of, uh, of divine energy. And then all these things happen at once. And I, I, I tell the story chronologically, but, there's, but I'm in timelessness. And it's not like just the eternal now. If you meditate and you mm -hmm. drop into that place of silence where the mind stops thinking and you're in that place of dark peace that's, that's beautiful, it's like that. Only it's not just that kind of timelessness. It's all time that ever existed in every direction, inverted, upside down, reversed, flowing like waveforms, it's all there. And so there's this sense of, of immediacy and eternity in combination. And so I, I, I'm this entity and this, this portal, this light appears, this doorway of light. And it's, it's as big as I am, it's much bigger. And it, 
calls to me. It has, it has an energy of attraction to it. And it's like I, I describe it in all these different ways. I describe it now these days, I'm talking about it as a waterfall. It's like mm-hmm. a waterfall of light. And, it's, and it has uh, 10 zillion colors in it of every hue and tone and, and all these colors. And they're all white. And they're all colored all at the same time. So it's all this. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And it's so beautiful. And I can see the surface of it. It's pearlescent, like, like fish scales shining and it's flowing. And I can see the depth of it. I can see that it has like a, like it has a, a, a substance to it. So I see the surface, I see the depth, and I see through it at the same time. And, and, and it leads into the, in, into the infinite. It leads into the infinite. It's like another tunnel, but this tunnel leads into the infinite that was beyond my sight. And so I, I am compelled. I feel this, this desire of, of the most beautiful thing. And I reach for it with my entity, with my own beingness. I don't have any hands, but I have this, I have, uh, I have some agency and I reach toward it. And as I touch it, it infills me with all life, capital A, capital L, creator of all life. And it just isn't earth and it just isn't our galaxy. And it wasn't just the universe. It was so much bigger than that. It was, it was all life everywhere. It's the energy that pervades, it's, the word is panentheism here in this world. The divine presence inside of everything, not pantheism, panentheism. The divine love that secretly exudes itself inside of all matter and reality, but not just our reality in our universe, but it, it, infinitely so. All this love and light comes flowing into me. And as it comes into me, I hear my name called. And in the calling of my name, it's not Peter, it's the essence of the origin of my created being. I know in that moment, it says to me, I am creator, you are a creature. It says to me, and I know that I'm known. I am suddenly, utterly naked. I have no hiding spots. And now I'm somehow more like Peter. And I, and I have no hiding spots inside of this Peter that I carried with me. And so I carry some of my Peter with me. And, and now there's this, this burning love that's f- with seeing every part of me. And I, I have this moment of, I know that I can't hide anything. And everything about me is utterly known. And I go through a hell of, I go through hell, but not the hell. I go through a, a hell where I suffer all of the pain that I gave away in my life as Peter up until I was 21, from the moment of my birth to every single person in every single incident, only I'm not viewing it like or reading it in a book. I'm in that person as they experience it. And I'm in myself, Peter, as I give it to them, whatever it is. And I feel the wash of emotions of, and the, the flood of anger or hurt or, or tears or confusion. Why are you doing this? And, and I juxtaposed to that. So I'm in their experience. And juxtaposed to that, I'm in my own experience of doing it to them. And, and I see myself as this big. And the, and the reasons were so minuscule and the pain I caused was huge. And so I had this, I judged myself as guilty of causing this suffering and this pain. And I was ashamed of causing it. 
And it wasn't like, I wasn't being judged. This light, this love that was firing inside of me, causing me to experience all this pain that I had actually created. It wasn't new pain, okay? It was pain that I made. And the, 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 it was only speaking to me love. Love and forgiveness and knowledge. I see you. I know you. I've always known you. You've, I lived your life inside of you. I live my life inside, with a capital M, inside of every human being. I see all. I know all. I feel all. I am in you. And, and I love you as you are. I have always known you. I created you. I make you. I am you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I I forgive you. And, and, all, and as I listened with the ear of my heart to the love that was being spoken, I saw all of humanity and I saw all of the what Christians call sinful nature, the brokenness of our causing pain to other people. Uh, but it wasn't, it was like everybody had the same amount in comparison to infinite purity, in, uh, to the unlimited. We all had the same level of, of universal brokenness that was coded into the, the way the universe functions. Is, um, I, I like to say that black holes consume star systems of innocent individuals who did nothing to deserve it. And, and, and viruses kill people. Everything eats something here. Mm. And it's just the way the whole thing cycles. And so it, I got this communication was, I know that you caused this suffering it's not your fault. I love you as you are. I made you. I know you. And as I listened, all of the love that was given to me in my life and all of the love I had given away all became the ear of my heart through which I heard this love and forgiveness. And I turned toward it. And as I turned toward it, all of my suffering evaporated. I became immense. I expanded into... Uh, I was filled with love, beauty, joy, adoration, awe, understanding, knowledge of the universe, uh, universal understanding, peace, bliss, paradise, uh, and, 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 and light. And it was more and more and more and more. And I just kept getting bigger and bigger as more of this infinity poured inside of me to the point at which I felt like more of it would obliterate me and I would fold back into the divine being fully. And as, as, so this name that I hear called, I see, I see the origin of myself. I see like I'm a singular photon that's uh, wave and particle form and I'm superpositioned. So I'm, I am both, I am eternal nature and I am created nature in, in my consciousness. Okay. So, so my consciousness has a, has a, like an origin of creation to it, but it's everlasting. So it's both these things. And I'm sort of in front of uh, uh, universe upon universe upon universe of individual photons making up a singular entity. Just ginormous amount of love and beauty, all individuated as, as photons, like a field, like a field of consciousness of which I am made, of which I emanate from as an individuated little tiny photonic self. And only when I'm looking this way, it's that way. But when I see the size of my soul, I get turned and I, my size of my soul is ginormous in comparison to the individual lives I had lived or mm -hmm. were living because of timelessness. I see the length of my nature. I see that I'm created. 
I see the origin is aeons old. I see the the breadth and the length and the depth of my my consciousness as it had, has lived everlastingly. I see individual like I'm sitting at a butcher block table, mm. and it's like my my myself is the wood. And the lives I lived are the thin glued strips in between. They're minuscule in comparison to the actuality of my soul. And I get to see inside. I saw inside two of my lives. And one was human and one wasn't. I don't know where I was. I, I had no frame of reference for this place, but it wasn't here. Mm. And, uh, and, and I understood. I understood myself to be beloved loved beyond i can't even tell you and and then i sort of came back to myself a little bit more and i said am i dead and the voice said yes you're dead and i said uh, i can't die now and the voice said why and the voice is the entire space i'm in mm -hmm. and it's also right next to me but i can't see it and it's inside of me speaking to me. It, the whole thing is one big vibrational voice, but it's very intimate. And it says to me, why can't you come? It's your time, come to us. I said, well, my parents were suffering. Um, my sister had run away when I was 14. It broke my mama, my mom and my dad and uh, my family. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was as if she died, but there was no way to grieve. And um, so it really caused some really pretty serious psychological things that happened. And I said, I couldn't take another child from my parents. Um, and in that instant, I was, I was moved across heaven to this place where like, I don't know if you, you've ever heard of the Higgs boson field, this mm -hmm. where we're right. So it's like the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of poking out of heaven, like my, Consciousness is sticking out into the kind of the Higgs boson where energy becomes matter. And, and I can see the entire universe. I see all of our universe, all of it, all at once, all septillion galaxies. And I am then brought down to our galaxy and brought down to our star system. And I see Earth like in this one sweep like this. And, and then on Earth is like a hologram. And I see 7 billion people alive. So it's not like a hologram like... We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Like in Star Wars, when Leia shows up and it's not really her, these are really them. They're really them in live time living. There's wars and floods and tornadoes and babies being born. Everything on, on Earth is going on. I see, and I see Earth is covered in this big, huge foam. Like a like veils, you could say, but it seemed like it was foam to me, and every human being was moving through it as if the foam wasn't there, and they couldn't see what I could see, and what I could see was inside of the soul of every single human being is this divine photonic light, gold light, the same as me, sparkling like gold. They are exactly as I am, and I know because the voice then says to me. In the way that I love you now, I have always loved you. And when that voice said that to me, universes upon universes upon times upon times spill out into me of showing me the immensity of eternal nature of love. 